when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. This is the reading of God's word. Amen. Family, will you pray with me? Lord, we are so, so, so excited to get into your word. And as we do so, we recognize, Father, that, um, that we are in need. We're in need of understanding. We're in need of being dependent. We are in need, Father, of uh, your spirit to do a work this morning. And so uh, as we come with all types of different um, burdens, Lord, we know that we can lay them at your feet. And so at this time, Lord, we ask that you would allow our minds to be uh, calmed by distractions so we may hear and receive from you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Go ahead and be seated, family. I'm blessed to serve as one of your pastors here. I'm Leon Stevenson. If you are in need of a Bible, please raise your hand as we're going to be getting into the scriptures today. Uh, We'd love for you to have um, a text in front of you. Also, uh, the scriptures are going to be up on the screen. And so uh, my aim today as we kick off our series, uh, as we're focusing on Easter, we're transitioning out of a Lenten season, uh, and we're now kicking off our, our Easter series. And my aim today is to talk about uh, and begin to point some, some desire, some awareness, some attention towards Jesus. And we do that every week. But specifically during this season, we begin to focus on why we needed this Savior, why we needed this, this, this one who saves. And so today's segment is just a sliver of that bigger picture. Today's segment will be focusing on something called a covenant And family, my aim today is to simply teach you what a covenant is. See, somebody's excited about the sermon. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) My aim is to teach you what a covenant is, how there was an old covenant, and why there was a need for a new. What a covenant is, why there was an old covenant, and what it was, and why we needed a new covenant. So if you go to verse 31, and that's we're in Jeremiah chapter 31, and we'll be looking at verses 31 through 34. And it reads, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Now, the the American Bible commentary is one that I I look at a variety of commentaries. This is one that I... um, enjoy getting, helping me put words to things that, that I already understand, but they say it sometimes a little clearer. And they describe a covenant as this. A covenant is an agreement between two or more parties in which obligations are placed on one or both. Now, there's three types of covenants, okay? Three types of covenants. There's treaties, contracts, and grants. 
Now, a treaty is between parties of unequal power, okay? And you guys, you guys, we, we all know this. We've all been in a situation, right? I mean, uh, how many people have heat in their homes? A few of you guys. So you notice, this, right, right. Some people are like, I wish I did, Pastor. <laughs> you know, it's, hey, now you, you know DTE. You can try to go approach DTE if you want to and say, look, these are my terms. I'm telling you, if you don't meet these terms, DTE will laugh you right out the store, right? Because there's, there's not an equal power. They've determined <laughs> what the rules are going to be, and you have a choice as to whether you want to abide by them. See, there's no negotiations that happen. You're simply a, a person who either submits or you don't. That's, that's a, what, what a, a treaty is. A treaty is one where the, the person of power determines all the rules. A contract is a little different, though. That's a different type of covenant. A contract is one between two people that are on an equal playing field, okay? So now it's like, hey, I've, I've got money. My contractor has a skill, and now we can work this thing out to get things worked out in the home. I pay. They provide the skill. We're kind of on equal playing field. A grant, though, in the Bible is, is when parties of unequal value come together for an agreement, but the stronger one obligates himself for the benefit of the weaker without any reciprocal demands. In other words, not asking for the same to be given back in return. I, I, I don't have a clear understanding of this except for one time in my life. So, so forgive me that this example uh, isn't, a, uh, I, I wish it was like purely holy, but I've never experienced, uh, uh, besides that of God, one where the person or the entity that is fully powerful actually comes in and tries to, to give me all the benefits. Here's one example, though, the only example I have. I was in high school, and when I was in high school, for some reason, uh, my high school went crazy. I mean, there was this day where there were at least 25 to 30 fights going on. I don't know what was happening. When I was a little kid, my cousin had a close friend named Blue. Now, I come to high school, ninth grade, I moved from the hood to this suburb, and I'm, I don't know anybody. The school's going crazy. A lot of fights are happening. I'm walking around a little scared, trying to act tough. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I happen to see Blue. Now, Blue is like about five Caleb's in height and width. <laughs> and Blue says to me, tell him I got you. I feel great now. The only example I have where, where what's, what's Blue going to get out of defending me, out of fighting eight guys on my behalf? Nothing. I can't help. My, my little, nothing. But family, that, that, that image is an image of, of, of one where someone says, you know, for you, I'm going to be the one that allows you to receive the great benefit. See, God is, God is entering into something called a covenant with his people where he says, yeah, there's going to be some conditions. 
It doesn't mean it absolves you for any responsibility. There's conditions, but the conditions only show that you acknowledge the relationship. They don't, they don't provide, they don't guarantee, they don't work off the conditions of this contract. They don't, they don't earn you any right, right? Who, who among us has, has enough good deeds that would earn us God's grace, right? Who among us has enough good acts that would earn us access into a holy God's heaven. And so we are blessed to be into this, this contract, this, this, excuse me, into this granting style of covenant. And I ask, which would you want? A treaty, a contract, or a grant? Now the Lord does have different types of, of covenants all throughout the Bible. But as we come into this chapter, his focus is on that other grant. And now we need to see, though, some of the previous covenants so we understand the history that we're tracking with. And somebody's going to say, Leon, why do covenants matter? Why are we even discussing covenants? We're discussing it, family, because we all need to be reminded as to what we've come into as believers. What, what the Lord has ushered in as a part of you being within his family. Because of the obstacles, because of the distractions, because of uh, issues, sometimes we can, be, we can be pulled away from that reality of, man, I've got some amazing benefits, excuse me, by being in the body of Christ. So the previous covenants, you had, we talked about this last week, we had a covenant with Noah, Right? And that, that was uh, a covenant where the Lord said, even due to the sin of man, I'm, I'm not going to destroy my creation in this manner again. I'm not, I'm not going to allow my wrath to rain down in this way. We then have a covenant with Abraham where God says, I'm going to bless my people. And I'm also going to allow my people to be a blessing unto the world. And we have a covenant with Moses. Where the Lord says, through, through Sabbath and through rest, he says, hey, I want you guys to remember that I've sanctified you. I've chosen you. I've set you apart for my purposes. You are my people. And through this day of rest, I want you to be reminded that I am your God. And so then we go, we go on to verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Now, how many of you have siblings? How many of you have been in a deep sibling argument? All right. Now, sometimes you get over that argument in a day. Sometimes you get over that argument in a week, in a week. And some of you may know of family members or be a part of families where siblings haven't spoken in years. And it even leads to the point of, of, of siblings passing away and never reconciling. You see, the, the house of Israel was, was comprised of 12 tribes, all coming from Jacob. And there began to be a, a breakdown of family structure when the entire family said, you know what, instead of a holy God, we want to put man in that place. We'd love to, to either put idols or we'd love to have a man be the one that dictates for us, that serves as king. 
So that was the beginning of a breakdown of the family structure of worshiping a holy God in the way that he desired. And then after that breakdown, there began to be drama within the family. And so what was once a unified family of Israel gets broken up into two different kingdoms, a southern kingdom and a northern kingdom. And so now that's why you have these two different places, the house of Israel and the house of Judah. You've got, you've got a, a fractured family. But the beauty is that it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not going to remain fractured forever. The people of God are not going to remain main, uh, in, in tension with one another forever. In, in 1 Kings 12, 19, it says, So Israel has re- been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. But in Isaiah 11, 12, 13, it speaks of the, the reconciling work. It speaks of, in 13, that, that there should not be jealousy any longer of Judah. And that, that that tension, that harassment won't happen between them any longer. It's a foretelling of this new covenant that's going to come in, that's going to continue to reconcile that of Israel, that of the people that are set apart for God. But it's a foreshadowing of all of humanity being reconciled to God. It's going to be a new covenant in the house of Israel and the house of Judah. So then verse 32 says, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Now, Egypt is always a, a, a stark remembrance like like Mac. You know, when you hear Mac, you automatically know that location. It has significance in and of our community. Egypt's significance is that of slavery of bondage, of being, of being held down with no freedom. I was doing a, a, a Google search and uh, just typed in slavery. And a U.S. Department of State pulled up these, these different definitions of slavery. Here are some, some modern-day forms of slavery that are still, still taking place. You have our traditional method, which is forced labor, Today, this still happens, where people are enslaved. You have uh, trafficking that happens uh, for, for sexual reasons. You have bonded slavery and bonded labor, where a person is, assumes a debt, and then that debt is constantly held over their head so they can't work it off. This happens really often with migrant workers, so it's a more unique because oftentimes the debt might be a house so they provide you a place to live, but you're never able to work it off. You have uh, forced child labor, child soldiers, so many different ways that slavery is still taking place today in our world. And we need to be a people who are continuing to pray for a sovereign God who saved Israel up out of their bondage. And that there are people still today that are crying out to be saved. But there is an internal slavery that happens as well. And that slavery happens whenever we put anything before God. Anything that your hope is in that's not Jesus, you are enslaved. Let me list out some of those things. Fame. Notoriety. Maybe it's money or greed that has your attention, that has your your awareness, that has your hope. Maybe it's in peace or social issues. 
You might be saying, Leon, how can that happen? How can peace be, a, be an idol? How can peace be a, a slave? Well, you see, if, if Christ isn't your foundation, good does not happen. Good cannot happen apart from Christ. Let me give you an example. In Detroit, we've had extreme highs. I talk to people who are really passionate about social justice, and the first thing they'll say to me is, but Leon, if we could just have jobs, our entire world, our entire city, the place in which we live we're pouring into would be changed. And I laugh. Because I, I remember as a kid coming to the D, and a lot of my family members had jobs with Chrysler, Ford. This was the heyday when everybody could get a job. And you know what? The drug dealers had really nice cars during that era. Thieves broke in and stole bigger TVs. We, we weren't void of problems. We actually had just as many problems. Why? Because no one's heart was affected. You see, we can be in bondage and be slaved, and though you might not fit in the first category of being enslaved and not have your physical freedom, you can be fooled into being spiritually still in bondage. And this Lord, this Savior, he saved the people of Israel from their bondage. He's still doing a savoring work today in the bond, to care for the people and to break bondages that are happening physically and spiritually in our midst. Verse 33. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. And I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. I will write it upon their hearts. I've, um, we've been blessed to have a lot of families have, have weddings in our local body. And it's been cool, and I, I imagine that almost everyone in here has been to a wedding at one point or another. And so you go to a wedding and you see this amazing couple. They love each other. They desire to care for each other. They're at the altar. They're smiling at each other. And, and the officiator, the one who's leading the, the, the two of them being united, will say this term. He'll say, and now the vows, right? And the vows are, are something where someone says, you know, I take you, Bobby, to be with uh, Shaniqua, and you know, and, and yeah, we're doing some cross-cultural stuff, y'all, come on. Um, you know, I take you to be lawfully wedded, to have and to hold from this day forward, for rich or for poor, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, until death do us part. So you imagine this, this couple, and, and Shaniqua just cooked some dinner, she's hooked it up, she's walking into the dining room, she sits down, and she starts eating. And Bobby's like, hey, you know, can I have some food? She says, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, that wasn't in the vows. <laughs> now, if you get sick, I got you. Lose your job, I got you. Get poor, I got you. But you, you, you didn't, that, that wasn't in the vows. 
Do, do you see how, how, how the old covenant, which was a list of rules to be kept, it was a starting point for us to be able to understand how do we engage with a holy God that requires all of us? A beautiful starting point, a starting point that was needed by humanity. So don't look at the old covenant and, and, and see it as something that was worthless. It had great value. But does it meet the end goal of feeling like your, your heart is being loved well, of feeling like you're being cared for, of, of the intimacy of a relationship, which, which a heart is what you truly long for? I don't simply long for you to do all the rules that we said in the vows. I desire for you to love me well based on your heart's desire to celebrate me. We get it in marriage. And there was a great need for it through the covenantal system. That's why the Lord says, I'm not going to simply write on these tablets like I did before. Now I'm going to put my law, which is another way of saying I'm going to put my ways upon your heart. I'm going to put my ways upon your heart. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. No longer shall each one of you, in verse 34, no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. You see, family, there was a, there was a serious covenant commitment. The people of God said, Lord, in responding to you, we will train and teach our young ones. Look at, look at Deuteronomy 6. And I think it's up on the screen. And for, for sake of time, uh, please write down that address and feel free to read it yourself. But I'm going to focus primarily on the, on the bolded points. In verse 5, I have taught you statutes and rules. Now, I want you to keep them and to do them, verse 6. Verse 9, only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. Here's a, here's a call that, that the people of God shall know who God is because a dad is going to tell his son who tells his son who tells his son who tells his son. There's going to be generational expansions of the gospel because every household is going to be the one that makes sure my kid's going to know who you are, Lord. Verse 13, and he declared to you this covenant which he commanded you to perform. That is the Ten Commandments, and he wrote them on tablets of stone. But family, what's going to happen, the shift that's going to happen is one that moves from that of the covenant's primary responsibility being that of community to individual. Why? Because community, while still having the responsibility, when generations choose not to share the gospel, when we choose not, when they chose not to tell the following generations, that was almost an excuse not to be a believer. It's almost an excuse to say, man, the community never told me. We were raised worshiping idols. How could you blame us, God? But what the Lord is saying here is now, 
all men would be without, be without excuse. You see, at some point, no matter what I do with my family, no matter how many times I read Bible stories with my son Ezra and he memorizes scripture, at some point, as a man, as a boy, even as a child, he has to take on the faith as his own. And the Lord is saying, here, this new covenant that I'm going to provide, yeah, the community needs to be an influence. The community needs to be of great support. But what I'm going to do is write this upon the hearts of man so that all men will be without excuse. So you can't blame your dad who wasn't there. It's an excuse. You can't blame that, that, that interesting experience that wasn't a church that they led you astray. Nope. Now you're having a chance to, to hear sound doctrine. Grow up in the faith. What will you do? You can't say, but what about the dude that's, you know, in the uttermost parts of, of Africa that nobody ever reaches? Yeah, okay, but you got 12 Bibles on your, on your shelf. But what about you? You see, family, he's riding upon the hearts of individuals. And this new covenant, it wasn't, it wasn't a little bit better. It was a great need for us. I want you to see the, the pattern of this God who, who loves people dearly. James, could you go to the slide that says, uh, go, go to the next one for me? Yep. I want you to see all the places where, where, where God is taking the initiative here. He's saying, I will. I will. I will. All these instances of him wanting you to see, I passionately love you, I passionately care for you, and I want you to experience me fully. I want you to know me intimately. And the laws in which I gave your forefathers don't provide that opportunity in the same way. So you know what I want to do? I want to put my spirit in you. I want to write upon your heart my laws and my ways so that you may worship me appropriately. So that you may worship me appropriately. It's a, it's a beautiful image, not of, our, not of what we bring to the table. <laughs> Reminds us of that, of that covenant of a grant, of a beautiful and holy God who's saying, you know what, I'm going to provide so much, but not simply provide it, I'm going to guarantee it. You see, your faith is, a, is an appropriate response to a holy God's love saying, you know what? I'm not simply going to, going to save you. I'm going to transform your heart. I'm going to transform your heart. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord. Know the Lord. Family, I was, um, I was at home this week, and uh, this, this idea came to me right on my front steps. As that term, know the Lord, speaks of one of intimacy. It speaks of one of, of, of personal care. It speaks of one of, of, of your uniqueness being a part of this experience with you and God. 
Not that people weren't unique before in the old covenant. Not that people were not, you know, uh, uniquely designed in his image. But as he places his spirit upon your heart, now there's a uniqueness in worship that, that doesn't just happen with you continuing to bring a sacrifice to the temple. There's a response in worship that is unique. I was... Uh, I was at my house, and, and, and the reason why this know the Lord is really important for the Israelites and the people, of, the people of God then and the people of God now, the people of God then chose to say, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the camp. I'm a part of God's family because I am Jewish. They're, they're oftentimes their ethnic orientation in their minds symbolized salvation. We can do the same thing, right? We can be raised in the church, hang out around the church, have parties, birthday parties at the church. But does that guarantee us, does that allow us to be within the body of Christ or just be within the building of Christ? So I'm walking up on my porch, y'all, and if, if you have lived in our area long enough, mm-hmm, you know exactly what these are. For, for, for those of you guys that don't know yet, move in. You'll find out. <laughs> these are left on our stairs if you live in the community weekly, daily. Right, twice a day. <laughs> and what they are, is a, it's a blanket mode of advertising. The only criteria is that you live in the community. If you go to the west side, there's a different one because it has different retailers, different people more. But this one here, simply for our community. It doesn't care if you're black, it doesn't care if you're white, it doesn't care if you're big house, small house. Just by being in the family, in the one four, in our area code, you receive one. But it's not personalized doesn't even have an address. But if you go to, a, if you go to a, a, a restaurant, sometimes they ask for your email. And I will begin to get notifications on my phone from this organization that has linked how I eat to what I, how much I spend. Before I know it, I'm getting texts that are uniquely crafted to me. How do they know to provide me a, a coupon on the chicken salad sandwich? Maybe because I got six chicken salad sandwiches in the last week. <laughs> Family, the, 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 do you see the difference in, in, in one being how to, the people of Israel simply by an ethnic association thought they were grandfathered in, Right? You do the rules, you, you knock out some of the commandments, and ultimately you're experiencing, you, they believed that they were experiencing the fullness of God. Not, not that faith wasn't a part of, of the walk in the Old Testament, it surely was. But somewhere along the way, the statutes, the expectations, the commandments began to, began to overshadow that of a heart. And so the Lord provides an opportunity for us to have a 
a unique way of experiencing the Father. It's a heart now condition that, that takes place, that transforms us, that makes us into his people and family. We're not the same. And we're not the same because of this last line. Because he says this, he says, for I will forgive their iniquity. I will remember their sin no more. Remember their sin no more. It's tough to believe that happens, right? I mean, if you if you are if you've lived a little bit, I could probably guess that you've probably been hurt by somebody. Might have been a family member, might have been a spouse, might have been a coworker. I tell you, we can heal, but it is very very difficult to forget pain. It's very difficult to forget hurt. Family, this imagery is clear here, not because, because it's, it's a mistake and it's just this simple like way of using words. God is trying to say to you, not that he's a forgetful God, but that he will remember your sins no longer, that, that, that he loves you enough to say, man, I want my people to experience being, not having sin be held against them. And there is one way that that's going to happen. It's one way that that's going to happen. It's, it's tough for us even to fathom and it's tough for us to even wrap our minds around forgetting something that is painful. I probably could ask our doctors, but I, I think, isn't it a condition when, when you don't remember things that are painful? I thought I remember reading an article about a kid that, like, couldn't sense and couldn't remember and kept touching a stove and burning himself. And it was like they're trying to find remedies to help the child. Family. This God who loves you so much says your sin, your sin is not going to be a blemish among this list of things I hold against you. Actually, I'll remember it no more. You see, we needed a new covenant. We needed to have our sins forgiven. We needed to have a holy and loving God write his ways, his laws upon our hearts. It's always been by by faith that we would experience him. But now the beauty is is that in a unique way, each of us are called to live for him. And does that mean now because it's unique to you, you get to go do your own thing in Christianity? No. We didn't, we didn't abolish all of the Ten Commandments, right? It's not like now you get to have other gods before him or, you know, you get to have multiple wives. Sorry, bros. Sorry, sisters. It don't, it don't work like that, you know? It's not that those things. But now he fully fulfills all those things that, that were desired to usher us towards a beautiful and holy God. We now can experience him fully. And so family and in Matthew 26, 28, we see these words come from Jesus. This is my blood of the new what? The new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do you recognize the need for this new covenant? 
If so, how does God's ways being written upon your heart affect you? How does an acknowledgement that now this Jesus, this God, this one who's created all things, says, I'm going to guarantee, <laughs> I'm going to guarantee this one. I'll take this covenant and, and put it on my shoulders, that I'm going to bring this to pass within my people. He who now writes upon your heart his ways and then says, in doing so, I'm going to forgive you of your sin. How does that affect the way we worship? Family, I pray that we will respond in a way of, of worship that brings him joy. I pray that we will be a, be a people, be a united body that says, yes, this makes a difference in our lives. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, because our um, we were in great need. We were in great need, Lord, for we needed our sins to be forgiven. We needed to be able to see the many ways in which the, the things that were written upon stone, Lord, uh, did not allow us to fully be able to experience you. And while they pointed us towards you, Father, we were not able to experience you in the way that we do now. May we, Lord, be changed by, by this reality that you remember our sins no more. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.